Hello, guys, and greetings from me, Jordan, and your co-host, Mo. We're on vacation this week. Say hi, Mo. Hi. Guys, we wish we could be there to give you some beautiful stories, but unfortunately, we are out until next week. So we wanted to give you a very special episode. Mo has compiled some of our favorite moments from last year's greatest interviews. So we have some cool uh, clips to catch up on. And we have updates from the artists that we feature. So we really hope you enjoy. Quick question round. What was your favorite Altifati moment? Uh, I thought Vivi had really crazy stories about the storms that she endured. I thought Busty had a good perspective about Lisbon. I thought David Gaffney had really cool stories about celebrities. I thought Marco Mori was really interesting how he always worked with the famous people from home. Choose one. Oh, no. Oh, no. My favorite moment so far. Uh, 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 uh. Should I start? Yes, please. Obviously, um, David Gaffney. David Gaffney's um, Liam Gallagher story. Oh, that's such a great story. Yeah. Um, I would say maybe one of my favorite moments. Uh, okay, guys, just listen to the clips. There's too many, guys. I love them all. Just enjoy. AFI. Backstage stories. Hi there, I'm an artsy-fartsy immigrant. My name is Violeta del Rio del Castillo, but everybody knows me as Vivi. We spoke many months ago, and since then, a lot of things have changed in my life. Of course, due to this whole world pandemic that is affecting us all. In my case, my visa got approved, so yay, good news. But the whole process was extremely, extremely stressful. I first applied on October 2019, and I just got approved on July 2020. And not only that, but uh, since all the embassies and immigration services were closed in March this year, since then I haven't been able to know if I was going to be able to stay in the country because it was impossible to get anybody on the phone or get any information online. So all these months have been like pretty challenging because I didn't know if I was going to have to pack all my bags and leave like all of a sudden because I was denied the visa. So thankfully it all worked out. For, for the best, I got the visa for three more years. But now, on the other hand, it's a little, the stress continues because I'm not able to leave the States. Uh, technically, I'm able to leave the States and go into Spain because I'm from there. But if I leave uh, to Spain, I wouldn't be able to come back even though I have a visa. So that also adds a, another layer of stress to this whole situation because I'm far from my family. Of course, I have my grandma, like my aunts, like it's like in in that age, you know, thankfully all my family is like healthy. But yeah, it's something that affects me, you know, my my day to day for sure. And um, but on the good, you know, I always try to, to see to look for the good thing in all, all the situations that I can. So it's this whole thing is giving me a lot of time to rethink my life and rethink how I want to project myself as an artist and I've been taking like some online courses with like about different types of music and like I'm having a lot of time to practice that, like, all the things that I that I was delaying or postponing or I never had time to practice now I, I have all the time so I think that's a that's a good thing for sure 
for sure. And I cannot wait until all this passes and we all can share openly like what we've been working on with the world. Uh, much love and a lot of positive energy to all the musicians and artists struggling around the world. Bye-bye. I tried to, like, I basically started thinking about leaving whenever in 2008, there was like this big economical crisis happening. Mm -hmm. So Spain was super affected by it. And uh, there was like literally like for arts and like for stuff, I mean, for nobody, like there was like very little jobs and, you know, it was awful. So I started to, to think about leaving there because it was just like nothing, nothing to do, nothing to, nothing motivating. So a lot of negativity around and everything. So I, I tried to apply first for, for Europe, for London. And they invited me in London to um, assist to like a master class, you know, like. In, oh, really? In hopes that, yeah. So thinking that I would join their, you know, their school, like afterwards and stuff. So basically, like uh, I bought my ticket and everything. I was ready to go. And uh, this huge, I don't know if you remember, but there was like, around that time, there was a um, volcano happening in Iceland that uh, affected like the whole like um, space for um, in Europe. So basically like all, all the right. flights were canceled, like for, it was just like, it happened for a month. So that's crazy. I know. And it was just like my flight. I went with my flight with everything like booked already. And I got to the airport and all the flights had been canceled. Canceled. Jesus. And they didn't even know when they were going to open like, you know, the, the, the space again, like to fly and everything. So I went home like, okay, I wrote like, hey. So they told me like, no matter, that doesn't matter. Like, just like uh, schedule it for next month. So what happened was like, I did it again i booked my flight i put everything i went to the airport again a month after and it happened again like oh my, my god was i know so it was just like it was the same reason because like some countries had to wait a little longer for the air to clear out from, like from the ashes and stuff and um yeah they canceled it again so i talked to them and uh, they told me like, okay, let's see for next year because it was like June, so the the whole course was like was ending the whole semester. So they can't like they canceled it on me, and I was just like so bummed. And then my cousin uh, Pat was like living in New York, and I was just like super bummed after this and stuff. And she invited me to go to New York uh, for the summer. That's how you ended up in New York. Yeah. Oh, I didn't like, know that part like, of the story before. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, she was like, she was there studying film. Right. And she told me like, well, don't you come here and just like take some space, like distance from Madrid and like everything there. So I just like went and uh, I started meeting people and meeting people and meeting people. And through meeting people, I got this, um, you know, chance to like start in a school there. So I... Um, what happened was like I basically like uh, auditioned and got in, in a kind of like an art, um, uh, how do you say like art um, invitation. They would invite me for a year to check it out and like to study there and stuff. So I just went there and through that school, 
I met somebody to get into Juilliard. Crazy. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was just like, I don't know, a bunch of like... Totally like know, chance and luck exactly. and connection, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just yeah. like, now I think about it and I was just there, you know? I just, I was just like, okay, okay, all right, you yeah, know? It must almost feel like a blur now, how, how quickly it all just kind yeah, of happened. Yeah, totally. And it's just like, it was very like, you know... I didn't even think about it. I was just like, okay, I'll do it. Okay, whatever. Okay, this is cool. All right. You know, <laughs> like I wasn't even like, it wasn't like, oh my God, I love this school. Like I had been trying for years and like, no, it was just like very organic, very like. That's good. You know, natural. And we met in New Orleans at the, at the University of New Orleans. I was studying film and you studied music there. Hey people, this is David Gaffney. I'm an artsy-fartsy immigrant. Big love to Jordan Prince and all the gang down there in München. Uh, I'm currently in the studio in Leipzig writing some tunes and uh, trying to keep the dream alive, man. Uh, since we last spoke, I've, I've released a single called Wonder. You can find it on all the platforms online. Go check that out. Killer video. And uh, I think it's a pretty cool song too. Uh, we've got some live action coming up as well in the, the David Gaffney camp on the 20th of August. We play in Haosam Z in Olshing. And on the 22nd of August, we open for the wonderful Floor Mega in Bremen, at Laila Lauba. And on the 26th of August, we have a big one at the Olympia Stadium in München, opening for the superb Pullman. Uh, with Summer, Summer Buna in Stadium. Come check it out. Come show me some love online and hope you're all keeping well, safe, and your head is above the water. Peace out. Take it easy. Ciao for now. Well, we ha we have to stop you there and say we did see a photo of you with Liam Gallagher. Yeah, we have to know the story behind that. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. That was crazy, man. It was like we this was in the the Camden era, and we were kind of so me and my friend Joe and and Craig were, were in a band there called a band named King, and that that was a like, band named King. We were originally like the Tracys or something, and then and then we changed <laughs> into a band named King, and uh, and we were we were just like going out every night in Camden with the guitar on the back and then in the smoking areas or anything, if anybody wanted a song or asked for it, then we, we would play our songs to them. Oh, know? nice. And we just said, we, you know, we, it's going to happen like this. And, and then we were just like writing under bridges and, and all the rest of it. And then one evening we were, we were out in a nightclub um, and it was like super quiet on a Monday night or something. And like, I was like, Hey, Craig, Craig, Liam Gallagher's in the corner, man. <laughs> and we, we like, we had like what a, a yeah, yeah, it was crazy, crazy. And and he was like, and Craig's, a, he's a go-getter, man. Like he's a, a proper nice guy. He's a, he's a cool kid. And, but he also speaks his mind and stuff. And he was like, where? 
He's like, fuck well, I was like, oh, no, this is going to end in, in tears, you know? Oh, man. And then, he, that one friend, and then he yeah. went over to him and started the initial conversation because I was a little bit kind of standing back a bit and thinking, God, you know. I mean, if there's any, like, extremely famous people in the world, the Gallaghers are known for, like, don't talk to them. Oh, They're yeah, not yeah, nice, yeah. <laughs> probably, right? Yeah, and he went over to him and said... He said, like, what well, he said, like, probably one of the worst words. I think he, he was like, you're a C and I'm a C. Uh, that means we can get along, right? Can We can get along. And he and I thought, uh-oh, he's going to... What's your C and I'm a C? Well, he, he would, like, said this really bad word. Oh, that yeah, one. Yeah, oh, I, I the C don't word. Wanna, I don't want to say it because obviously gotcha. children might be listening. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> but, um, but he just said it like that. He, like, said it, he, that. he went far out, said it. And I was like, oh, no, I'm going to have to pick him up off the floor. <laughs> and then before you know it, they were like, had the arms around each other and they were having no a beer and, and it all, and, and it, it stopped there. I said, right, okay, let's get a quick photo because we were quite happy that he was there. It's probably your only chance ever. We, to we left the club, went to like get fish and chips or something. We, we were like happy with our night then. We were like, hey, it's done. Let's go home, you know. Yeah. And then he walked past the, the chip shop again. You're kidding. And like he he either like stole one of our chips or something, or he like knocked on the window or something, and he was like messing around. And then I, I then said, Okay, now it's my turn. So I went out and said, Hey, like, where where are you going now? What's the what's, <laughs> what's the, the plan? What's the deal? I mean, can me and this guy be involved? You met him in the club. <laughs> and and the 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 house party was next door to the fish and chip shop and he said, Go in and behave. That's what he said to us. So what? then we parted the night away there, and yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> Man, that's like a that's like uh, a rock and roll legend story or something. Uh, really, like, I, I take that one to the grave. Yeah, man. that's like yeah, a Rolling yeah. Stone exclusive kind of thing. But it's, it's also uh, like Moe's wet dream because he's such an oasis. Yeah, 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 yeah. My name is Kobe Grant. I am an artsy-fartsy immigrant. Hey guys, it is so nice to hear from you and thank you for wanting to know what I've been up to. I am currently um, not where I thought I would be. I'm in my hometown of Perth and what happened for me when the pandemic kind of, you know, amped up and hit and borders were starting to close. I was in Cape Town. I'd flown from Berlin, where I normally live, to Cape Town because I was meant to be playing at a couple of festivals there. And within kind of five days of arriving, um, it became clear that borders were closing everywhere. Those festivals were cancelled. And I sort of had a choice to make. I was like, okay, should I go back to Germany? Because at this stage already, you know, it all, it all happened so fast. Um, already gigs were going to be cancelled until June, till summer, the 1st of June. I think that was the first thing in, in Germany. So I actually made the decision, you know what, I'm going to go home to Perth for a couple of months then, a month or so. And then I'll have, I'm sure it'll be all blow over. I'll head back over to Germany ready for my summer of touring that I have planned. Of course, we all know how that has gone. And yeah, all of my shows in Germany have been cancelled for the year. Now, that kind of left me with, I guess my mind was made up. There's, well, there's a few things. I didn't expect to be in my hometown 
um, and living in my parents' guest house, uh, guest room, sorry. Um, but with taking away touring, uh, you know, the other part of my job, I suppose, is writing. And that's something I can do anywhere, writing for film and TV and writing for myself. And so I just thought at this point, I'm going to stay in Perth. I've found a place here. I've moved out of my folks. I was very grateful to be with them, but, you know, at 34 years old and I'd left home at 19, I sort of thought I've got to get out. I've got to get my own space um, and settle in in Perth for a while. And that decision was made for me because it's actually crazy expensive to get back to Berlin. Um, Australia has really restricted the uh, incoming international passenger flights you can only come into our country now if you are an Australian citizen or resident. Um, and not only that, if I was to come back to Germany, then there's no guarantee I could get back to Australia because of that restriction, A. And B, we have a, a mandatory quarantine here um, of 14 days, which costs $3,000. And and now the individual has to pay. At first, the government was paying for Australian citizens to do that. But now if it's your choice to come back, um you have to pay. So with all of that, I just thought, you know what, my stuff is safe in Berlin in the apartment I was renting and with friends. And um, until Corona blows over and I can get back to some semblance of normal touring, then I just thought I'm going to stay put in my home country, um, make the most of being in this beautiful place where I live right next to the ocean um, and obviously my friends and family are here. However, it's totally different here as far as music goes, you know. The reason I left this beautiful but sleepy town is because it's just very hard to make any money from playing your original music. Um, you know, there's lots of people playing cover gigs at the pubs, um, which I have done my fair share of, but, yeah, I just got used to, you know, I built it up and I got used to performing my originals for people in Europe and in Germany in particular, which just brought me such a such a huge amount of joy to have that connection with audiences through my original music. Um, and I feel so, I am so lucky. I got to finish my tour for my album in the middle of Feb. So really just before the pandemic kind of hit, I was able to do that tour, which, yeah, gave me a great amount of joy, also helped me financially because I know so, so, so many musicians who had to cancel tours, who've had to postpone tours. Obviously, it's just a nightmare for the music and entertainment industries, um, as well as obviously travel industries and many others. But yeah, I guess my hand has been forced. And at the beginning of that happening, I I kind of found that very difficult to accept. And yeah, was just dealing with being a little bit, the uncertainty uh, was not the best thing for my mental health. Um, however, I've now just embraced it. I'm like, okay, you are staying here in Perth. Um, our borders are closed here, interstate and international. So, you know, when I was younger, when I was 19, I moved to Melbourne because I had a much better music scene over there. Um, but at the moment, Melbourne is in a heavy lockdown uh, with the curfew only allowed out of your house for an hour a day, one at a time. So, in Perth, because we have so few corona cases, we have a lot of freedoms. It's like normal life. Um, you know, gigs are even starting back up, events are starting back up here. 
But yeah, I guess like everyone else, you know, or like a lot of people, the rug was kind of pulled out from under me and I've just had to adapt and that has been interesting. Um, yeah, and I, at the same time, I know I feel that it's the right place to be. Some, something that I found is interesting is that a lot of people are sort of flocked home as such to be with their families because I think that's what, when you feel that there may be some sort of crisis that that's kind of where a lot of people gravitate towards. Um, so I think it was the right decision. bit strange to have come here just with a small suitcase of summer clothes and one of my guitars, um, but, you know, my stuff over there will be safe and I am just going to plan to have no plan. I can't plan. So Perth it is until the pandemic sort of gets under control around the world and I hope it does soon because I know that it's affecting so many, many millions of people. Um, and as soon as it does, then hopefully I will be back over in Europe uh, touring again. But between now and then, I think my aim for 2020 is just to just to get through it and try to not sweat you know, the, the this there's nothing you can do, not try to, not worry about things that are out of my control. So my goal for 2020 is to, yeah, not worry about things that are out of my control, which seems to be a lot, and just enjoy the company of my friends, my family, try and stay creative to some extent. Um, and, and, yeah, just see what happens. I know that's not very profound, but... I think um, I also myself have had a couple of creative blocks, productivity blocks, and I just don't want to put any pressure on myself because I find that's not, we're in a state, you know, it's, it's, it's unknown territory. And I've read a lot about how, um, you know, our brains are in a fight or flight and that does affect our creativity and, you know, just to kind of take the pressure off. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. That is, that is the, the update. Um, you know, as far as rumours go, I'm not sure about international travel from Australia for a while. Uh, apparently the rumours are September 2021. So I'm going to hope for better than that because I'd love to get back over to Europe and play. But living over there right now just makes no sense. I think I feel a little bit more isolated, um, you know, and not really able to do my job uh, to the extent that I would like to with touring and performing, which I miss terribly, to be honest. I really miss, um, you know, connecting with people through through concerts and, and through my music and through music as well. Like one of the things I loved about living in Berlin was going out to see music three or four nights a week when I wasn't touring myself. So... It's the quiet life in Perth um, by the beautiful ocean and that's what I'm focusing on at the moment. So I hope everyone else is going well and I hope uh, that you enjoyed my little update, guys. Talk to you soon. Well, speaking of co-writing too, I wanted to ask about Winter Bear. I mean, this, this song... Mm. Um, you know, I know a little bit about it, but I'll let you do the explaining. I would like to know, you know, where that idea came from and, and, and if you, um, you know, where the inspiration came, the story behind the song and, you know, if mm. you, if you expected it to go so, so 
so viral. I mean, it, it was extremely popular when you dropped it. So Winter Bear, I sang at a wedding, which I've been singing at weddings to supplement my income. To, sure. You know, to, yeah. for my original music for years since I began playing. Yeah. I know a lot of artists who like kind of turn their nose up at that sort of thing. And I'm like, you're an idiot. I think that's you bullshit. T- yeah. There's so yeah, much, there's so much 10 money. 10 bucks an hour down like waiting tables or you can make like a few hundred or thousand. Or even more. Yeah. Like some, weddings pay such like private events, weddings, birthdays. Like it's, if you're in a, if you're in a, like a downtime for touring, like it's so dumb to pass that stuff up. Absolutely. And I also personally love singing at weddings. Love it. (laughs) So I, because, because of like, you know, my music and my style, I'm always only singing at the ceremony or like short, shortly after. So I'm never around when everyone's getting pissed. I mean, drunk, pissed is the Australian word for drunk. (laughs) Um, I'm never around then. So I always am singing these people down the aisle where they're so happy. And this particular wedding, the Bride was six months pregnant, and this family was just so full of joy. Like, it was palpable. Like, you could feel the love, you know, around this couple. And the person who'd asked me to sing and got me there was the father of the groom, so the grandpa of the unborn child. And um, he was a huge music lover, and he had heard my songs in a movie. It was a title track for a movie in Holland because these people were Dutch. And he'd heard my song and he'd asked me if he could use the song for like their wedding invitation, their online wedding invitation. I was like, yeah, you don't even need to ask, you know. Oh, that's so Um, nice. And so nice. And then he was like, maybe there's a chance you can play. And like, you know, obviously then he organized that. So three months after the wedding, he contacted me and told me that the child was stillborn at full term. So, um, yeah, horrible. And so he wanted as a lover of music, what he wanted to do was write a song to remember his grandson by and also to give to his son and new daughter-in-law just because, you know, what do you say? What do you do in this like unspeakable, like, you know, moment of, of grief. And so <clears throat> anyway, that's, he asked me, could you help me? Cause he's, you know, never written a song in his life. And I said, of course I can do that. So over the next few months, he basically sent me pages and pages of um, thoughts and and some poetry and some pictures and some like you know letting me know how the family is and I also drew from unfortunately like you know I have a friend who lost her child to SIDS sudden infant death syndrome I know multiple oh, friends God. who've had mis- miscarriages yeah. I, I had another friend who had already experienced a stillbirth um, you know and and it wasn't until later that I realized how common it was but I kind of drew from this. And also specifically, like, you know, the stuff that he had written me. And I wrote this song, Winter Bear. And the song, it, it was it's so interesting because he, he didn't want to be credited as a songwriter, Grandpa. He doesn't even like to be named. So, um, but the, fir- the, the first three lines, which for me are the most hard-hitting anyway, the first three lines of the song, he wrote. I took it directly from his poetry. The rest of the song, I interpreted and I made up and, you know, so this was an interesting co-writer as such, you know, because he wasn't a musician, but. Right. Um, but the emotion gave, was there. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, what you need to write a great song. So we recorded the song and he gave it to his son and daughter-in-law oh, and man. they, yeah, and they listened to it every day and they contacted me and told me that, that it somehow does bring them like a, some some peace, some 
glimmer of hope, you know, and mm-hmm. I was just like, wow, this is, you know, pretty overwhelming. I sang it for the family um, when I was next in, in Europe, like in the area, sorry, in the Netherlands, I sang it for them. That was definitely the hardest thing I've done. Oh man, I don't um, know if I could have made it through that performance, mm, you know, without, without I, crying or, or breaking down. Mm, I actually just made it through, um, just, yeah, broke down at the end. I can, I'm like a bit teary talking about it because it's for sure. quite an emotional. Yeah. So, um, there came a point where we thought, hey, maybe this would be, maybe it would be great to release this out into the public because if this helped you guys, like, you know, how many other parents have gone through something like this and it could be in a way like, I don't know, it sounds weird to kind of say the words healing, like how much, you know, like, I don't know, like about my own song, but that is the word that keeps coming up from the thousands of parents who have now written to me. Um, so we did release the song and it had within a few weeks, 4 million views, 50,000 shares and thousands. I couldn't, I couldn't respond to everyone, you know, thousands of, course, of, yeah. of messages. It's, it's amazing that this song, um, reached so many people. I think it, I think it touches the hearts of a lot of people and is really, um, it's a really honest, like pain filled, emotional song. I think it's easy for people to connect to that sort of thing. Mm, I think mm. everyone, everyone has I, a story that they can kind of replace the truth behind it with their own pain, if that makes absolutely, sense. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. And, I mean, the song was called Winter Bear because that was their nickname for their unborn child. But so many oh. people have still said, like, that that was, you know, something that they can relate to anyway. Um, but, yeah, I still get I still get messages from people. And it was recently – October the 15th was International Pregnancy and Infant Loss Day. I've reposted the video. Right. And like straight away again, like these comments and the messages that I get. And so I'm so proud to have written a song as a songwriter. Like that's all you really want, isn't it? Like that's how that's how music affected me was just like, wow, this is so powerful, this music, this, this language that we all speak, like that can help me through the hardest times that can make change my mood, that can lift me up, that can make me happy, that can connect us, yeah. you know, as, as humans. And so proud that a song, like, because what is, what is success to me? Like that, that is, you know, like having touched so many people, but also like kind of strange that, that it's with such a sad, sad um, topic, you know? Yeah. So yeah. But that, yeah, you're I right. Mean, it's, I, it's, that's, that's absolutely the, the, the main goal and the, the true feeling of success is when you get a message from someone who listened to a song, whether or not it was particularly emotional for you to write in this case it was, but when you have someone writing you a a piece of the lyrics or even just saying the name of the song and saying like, this meant so much to me for whatever reason it did for them. It's, it's so rewarding. It's like that, like I'm so thankful that you connected with it. That's the whole point, you know? That is right. You're a hundred percent right. So yeah, that, that was a pretty, pretty extraordinary um you know bunch of events that happened that even got me to that wedding you know that Mm -hmm. that allowed me to like because I always like kind of look back at things I'm like okay well my song was in a title track in a Dutch film because I was signed to Sony and they got it in there and and I didn't think that that deal was that great but in the end if it wasn't for that deal that that got me that movie that, that the grandpa heard I never would have sung at that wedding. I never would have been the one to help them write this. You know what I mean? Like, it's oh, just such, yeah. like, I just look back and I'm just like, even if you think always in my life, even if I'm like, feel shit or think that something is not ha- worked out how I wanted it to work out. I'm like, Kobe, just wait, just wait. You know, you'll look back and be like, if that hadn't have happened that way, 
then this couldn't have been where you've ended up. And I just find that such a really amazing thing about life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I, I just want to um, remind people that if they want to see the the clip, they, they can go to your Instagram, which is uh, Kobe Grant Music. Um, Look out, baby, the saints are coming through. And it's all over now, baby blue. Artsy Farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5.